See the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really soak it? Welcome, welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, and you're listening to AM 1510 Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. It is just too cold for me. All right, a little housekeeping. You can check out my new website, or I'd love you to check it out, talkwithfrancesca.com. And if you want my weekly truth serum, just sign up. Send me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com with questions or comments. Love, love, love to hear from you. As always, you can find me on Facebook, where you can also send me questions if you'd like to chime in. All right, bewitched bothered and bewildered where do sexual fantasies come from what do they mean why do men want to get into sex so fast i'm I'm looking over at the producer to see if he's listening (laughs) why do women worry so much about a guy's financial uh, status stay with me for some bold and thought-provoking insights and a few valuable tips for the modern hunter welcome michael gerber gilbert i'm sorry author of the disposable mail and thank you for being on talk with francesca today I'm pleased to be here. So, Michael, I need you to take on the important question in life, when we, uh, who we fall in love with and why do we fall in love? Boy, that's a, a very big uh, It's question. a big question, you know, I know. Well, I, I said I wanted you to take on a big question, so. <laughs> well, I think it has a lot to do, of course, with biology and uh, uh, the future we see in our lovers' eyes. Uh, we're going to... Uh, uh, be contributing half of the genes of uh, our children, and our lover is going to be producing the other half. And uh, children take a considerable time to raise. We need a vessel uh, through which to make sure we get children up into the teenage years and years when they can be launched. So this has led us towards uh, marriage and the care bond mm-hmm. and extending it into the future. Uh, so you but, think that that's what's happening when the, the 20-year-old boy is looking at the, you know, 20-year-old girl, and she's gorgeous, long blonde hair, and he's thinking she'd make, you know, she's got good genes to make a child? Well, what's what's happening is he's making a whole bunch of implicit decisions about her. Uh, He's looking at things like her hip-to-waist ratio and uh, how she's, uh, whether or not she has a symmetrical kind of an appearance. He's not probably conscious of any of this. He's just conscious of the fact that he has an aroused sense of wanting to be with her in some context um, and, and may not understand the, the, the much deeper issues that are going on uh, beneath the surface. Uh, a perfect example is the high heel shoe. Yeah. Uh, we don't, you know, there are no glamour shots done in flats. Uh, the high heel shoe accentuates the arch of a foot and uh, uh, splays out the toes a little bit and, uh, enhances the musculature of, of a woman's legs and sets her up in a, a posture that's slightly sort of uh, receptive. Most young men don't, none of that registers. What registers is that this is a gorgeous looking leg and body and, and face, and uh, they have one thermometer they know very well, and that's, that's the one that rises in their groin. So uh, <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not making these decisions, they're not thinking necessarily in those kinds of terms. Um, they're 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 responding to a, a direct stimulus. Yeah, but then what about you know a, a a a guy who 
is attracted to maybe um, a woman who's really overweight. You know, sometimes you see a couple and the guy's real thin, the girl's really heavy. You know, what mm-hmm. What would that What would that mean? Francesca, you know, there's a lot of things I understand about sexuality, I think. I figured out, but 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 there are some that I can't, and there are there are some <laughs> men who don't just like a Rubenesque full-bodied woman, yeah. but who like women who are grotesquely overweight, yeah. three four hundred pound women with all that massive yeah. amounts of flesh, and these are not fat men, and and, and vice versa too. I mean, you sometimes see thin women with like really obese men. I mean, what's that about? I just don't get it. I think every male is a fetishist. I think every male has a little, if you dig deep enough, there's something strange going on. It's usually sweet that they're, they love buttocks or they love feet or they love the, the certain kind of hair or something. It's usually fairly inoffensive and easily accommodatable by a woman. But when you get out to these situations like you're talking about, and I've seen you know, TV specials on this, I just, I just do not simply understand where that's coming from. It's just it's beyond the pale to me of sort of conventional sexual or intimate kinds of uh, interest. So I, I, that was one I can't help you with. Well, what about, you know, like say, for example, I'm just thinking maybe um, the woman reminds the guy of his mother and maybe his mother didn't pay attention to him growing up and so he's kind of trying to, you know, who knows? I don't know. You know, I mean, oh, I'm just a, it's just a thought, but I was just, you know, it was interesting because I was um, just coming back from Fort Lauderdale this week, and I was sitting beside a young kid, 29 years old, and his uh, girlfriend was 40, and I immediately start, you know, the analysis of, like, what is this good-looking kid doing with a 40-year-old woman? Um, you know, and then as we began to talk, I started to deduce, and I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong, but I started thinking, well, you know, his mother really wasn't around, his parents got divorced, maybe that's what it was. But then he ended up telling me she was from, you know, one of those hot countries, you know, (laughs) where they're doing a lot of hot dancing, and I just said, case closed. (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, 40-year-old women can be gorgeous, 60-year-old women can be gorgeous. That's right. It's entirely possible that a 24-year-old man would would find that interesting. It's Again, this is very much an abnormality. Traditionally, men look down a few years. They want a woman, a wife, or a partner who's a little bit younger. And I suspect that's because they just want her to be physically appealing for longer. Right. Uh, and uh, you, do, you do hear the odd situation where a younger man marries an older woman. It almost never works. Really? Uh, and it rarely does it work. I was reading about an incident the other day, and uh, one of the advice columns, and the uh, younger uh, boyfriend, but, but he had a wandering eye. And you just have to ask yourself, I mean, uh, how is this appealing? Now, you may have put your finger on it. It, it may be, you know, a mothering instinct of some sort. Uh, it's conceivable that that's going on. But traditionally, women want to look up a little bit to their husbands. They want to respect them a little bit. And that traditionally means a, a, a looking to a male who's a little older. It's also true, in my opinion, that, that boys and men mature more slowly than women. And this is yet another reason, I think, why, uh, why women tend to want to marry a slightly older male, one who's got a little bit more going on, achieved some things in life. And uh, usually uh, an older woman will find a younger man eventually after the novelty wears off to be, uh, you know, to be simply not fulfilling. Right. So now what about older couples? I mean, you've got, you know, you, you talk about, you know, when couples are kind of like subconsciously looking for their mate, someone that they can reproduce with. What about either older couples or couples who don't even want children? 
Well, this is uh, an increasing phenomenon. You know, I think it's in the natural vein of things that we do want children, and that is the conventional mode. We want to. It's the way that we survive into the future because that child is going to carry half of your genetic uh, payload, or at least a slice of it, into the future, and it's a fairly natural phenomenon to want children. It is the case more, much more often now that people, uh, and especially even women now, mm-hmm. remarkably enough, mm-hmm. don't particularly want to have children that gets in the way of a career or uh, it gets in the way of personal freedom. So are you saying uh, that it's, it's actually unnatural to not want children? I, I, I think so. I, you know, one of the uh, uh, great lines I use in my book, The Disposable Male, is that chastity is one of the greatest perversions. And in a sense, men aren't meant to be chaste, and that's why we have a lot of these problems in the priesthood and so forth. But also, chastity takes a woman out of the line of production. She takes her away from the normal flow that we see in nature. And I'm one of these people, and the book puts forth the, the proposition that, you know, in the nature-nurture situation, we're 90% nature and 10% nurture. So these to me are they're powerful instincts, but in this day and age that we live in, with all of the diversions and all of the individual liberties that, 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 that we get, the notion of having children can, can, be, can tie you down. They cost a fortune. Mm-hmm. They, they, they frequently bring, you know, the sexual part of a marriage to a, to a sharp close because of all the other <laughs> things that have to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it's such a powerful, persistent uh, human and animal desire that I think we're always going to want children. And that leads to the second part of your question, which is older couples. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm always amazed that the, some, the other day some 93-year-old in the old people's home is marrying his lovely 88-year-old bride. And this is just a testament to me to the power of human emotion and, and the desire for intimacy and the desire, uh, you know, to be paired up. Nature works in pairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, your book, The Disposable Male, some of the, the, the um, questions are, where do our sexual fantasies come from? And what do they actually where, mean? So where do, these, where do our sexual fantasies come from? Well, they, 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 they come from, first of all, a, a, a procreative need. I mean, if nature wants anything from us, it wants us to reproduce. It, it may not want anything from us, but if it does, it wants reproduction. It wants, that's the one driving force, I think, that is so powerful to all of us. This leads to a host of, of fantasies. Males are fairly superficial in a sexual context. Their fantasies tend to be superficial. There's not many much in the way of storylines. They want to get pretty much right at the action. Yeah, men really so, do think very differently about sex than women, don't they? Pardon me? Men really do think very differently about sex than women, don't they? Unqu- unquestionably, they do. Women, women get pregnant. Yeah. And you can, you can put in an IUD or swallow a pill and mess around with the hormones, but there's millions of years of genetic conditioning in the female brain saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. When we climb down from the haystack, where are you going? Uh, he's going to look for another haystack. She's got a nine-month uh, uh, imposition on her body and potentially a 15- or 20-year obligation in raising a child. Mm-hmm. Women are interested in relationships. They can have just as much fun in bed as guys, maybe more. They actually have more uh, erogenous zone, mm-hmm. but but there's consequences to sexuality for women, and you just and modern engineering may take away you know through birth control, but you're not going to remove those kinds of sentiments. And even seventy year old women, well past menopause, where childhood is, isn't isn't any longer an issue, still are interested in 
context in a relationship uh, rather than, you know, directly going to the sexual act. Men are sexual chaos. They, they don't pay the price for sex. They, they climb down to the haystack and start looking for another one. That's amazing. Okay, so let's go back to sexual fantasies. Where do they come from? The fantasies? Sexual fantasies. Where do they come from? Yeah. Well, that's just part of living. I mean, we, you know, I go out for coffee this morning, and I see a gorgeous woman at the coffee shop with beautiful legs and lovely, and she's put together, and she seems to have a buoyant personality and long, luscious hair. Uh, men are fantasizing about sex often, frequently during the day. It depends on their age to some extent. If they're 15 or 16, they may be fantasizing all day long. And, 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 so they, and they don't really mean that. anything. So a, a couple can be happily married and the husband is fantasizing about another woman. And uh, I, I would be surprised if the husbands aren't fantasizing at least some of the times. There, there are marriages where the sexuality is, is exciting and is kept exciting for a long, long time. Uh, but in most cases, you know, after a few years, the familiar becomes a, a little bit less exciting. So most men, again, given their superficial triggers, uh, are, are, are they're more disposable, more disposed to a, an affair, and they're more inclined to fantasize. They're more inclined to, and and I and women should accept that this is part of the human condition. It's okay if he goes to his porn stash once in a while. It's not the end of the world. Uh, if if he if he's uh, looking at another woman in a restaurant as she walks by, this isn't some sort of you know tragedy. He needn't be sent to, to prison. It's it's just part of the, the human psyche. And for men, uh, you know, uh, just getting with one woman in an exclusive relationship, it's a real powerful uh, commitment because because of the, the superficiality of the male sexual trigger. For women, thinking in the context of relationship, they're not as uh, stimulated by seeing a sexy-looking male necessarily on a on a billboard because they're putting sex in context. This is why we have a gazillion porn sites for for men and very few for women. But this is also why we have tons of romance novels being published every year is because for for the, for the female that builds a relationship, a context to the sexuality. But men don't need that. They can go right at the stimulus and get it done. Well, just veering off for a, a minute, I mean, men, um, you know, it, you say it's a really big commitment for them to sort of commit for for life, but I think it is for women, too, no? I mean, I, I think that, you know, we just naturally get, you know, tired of each other and want to move on to the the next chapter. I mean, I, I, right. I, I mean, I think it's it's a big commitment to expect to be with someone for 70 years. Or, you know. Oh, it's, it, it is indeed a big commitment, and it's a big commitment for women as well. It really is, uh, yeah. Most, of, yeah. most of the studies indicate that uh, men are substantially more inclined, for instance, to, to have an adulterous uh, relationship. Maybe uh, the, the, more, the more recent numbers are, are tighter. They're, more, they're closer. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the most recent one I saw is roughly 40% of married men are, are available for an affair, Roughly 20% of, of married women are available. And I think, again, it goes to the reason I'm talking about. Yes, the woman might get bored with her husband uh, 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 as a lover. But she's because of the context, because of family, because of kids, because she mm-hmm. sees the relationship in a broader way, she's less inclined to uh, 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 answer to a, a stimulus, uh, 
uh, you know, the guy can walk into a bank. He's 42 years old. His wife isn't paying him any attention. His kids aren't, aren't showing him any respect. And the gorgeous 22-year-old teller at the bank is, you know, batting her eye at him. Right, right. That, that's going to get him going. Whereas a woman is going to kind of look at a young man maybe hustling her at a restaurant and just discard it because, you know, it's just yeah, silly. Right. She may think it's a, a compliment, but she's not going to imperil. Uh, the relationship, because she's looking at it from, I think, a broader context. So, yes, women get bored. Yes, they dally around. Yes, they're interested in hot sex. Uh, but they're, in a sense, more elevated than males. They're able to rise up and look at at, uh, at, uh, at sexuality in a broader way. Nuns have a lot easier time than priests. Oh. Uh, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's for the same reason, that, that women can can sustain uh, the absence of intimacy much better than men. Men are men are accidents waiting to happen. They 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 really have a, a many of them a very vibrant sexual kind of drive, and and it needs an outlet. And they 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 don't necessarily put it in a broader context, and it leads them in potentially to a lot of problems. Do you believe that asexuality is real? Like that someone can be kind of asexual, or not kind of, but can be asexual that they're just not not interested. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I know that, you know, are you there? Yes. I'm oh, okay. Um, you know, I mean, and not even male versus female, I would say either sex. I mean, do you think that's, that's possible? Or do you think, it, think it, or do you I, think it's a nurturing kind of a thing? Some kind, something that brought them to this place in their lifetime that they have no interest in sex. Are, are you saying that people are basically asexual or, or capable of asexuality? Or uh, no, no, no. What I'm asking is if it really, truly does does it really exist? I mean, is really there such a thing as asexuality? And, and if there is, why? Yes. I mean, if and if there is, why? I mean, is again, it... it's, it's it's an aberration. It's very rare. There are people who are asexual, and whether or not there's some biological aspect that that that. Uh, that isn't there, uh, or whether there's a, a, an upbringing that is deeply repressive and mm -hmm. they just put that aspect of their world uh, away, uh, it's, it's there, Francesca, but it's fairly rare. Most people are aroused in a sexual context. It may be straight, it may be gay, but most of us have a sexual engine, and it is fairly rare to see asexual uh, people. Do you actually think it's possible to fall in love without physical attraction? I think it depends a lot on how you define love. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Well, you, you I, say I, in your book you call love the trickster. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that what happens is when we fall in love, we develop this very rosy view of our, of our lover. Mm -hmm. We have a tendency, to use an old expression, to gild the lily. We have a tendency to make that person better than they are. And love is a trickster, to my mind, because it carries us over the, over the goal line to marriage and kids. It, it's, it's, love is, first of all, it may surprise your audience to learn that more than half the marriages in the world are not done through love, they're arranged. Uh, and the idea of falling in love is, is, is sort of the new kid on the block. It may be as little as perhaps a few hundred years old. Really? Uh, up, in, up, until, up until the Middle Ages, almost all marriages were arranged. So love is, is, that, is, is nature's way of getting us, I think, to make the commitment that we have to make not only to have a child, which is only a one, to be a one-night stand, but more importantly to raise that child. So 
and that's and and the trickster fades. It turns itself into I don't know what, but but so I I see love as uh, kind of um, a modern romantic uh, invention that's designed in part to get us to overlook the deficiencies of our mate and proceed into what nature wants, which is union and presumably one that endures long enough to raise children. So and love that, is a trickster. Okay, so marriage, no love, marriage, kids, divorce. That's probably why there is so much divorce, right? You think? Probably why there is so much divorce. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, for one thing, we live in a, a kind of a culture that stresses individual freedom and individual happiness. Right. And divorce, which was a stigma two two generations ago, it was a, 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 it's a horrible stigma. I mean, a man could be fired for being divorced. It was a, a great family shame. And uh, now it's become pretty much, you know, run of the mill. You have your start of marriage, you get divorced, and it's almost a badge of honor. Uh, <laughs> you think you know, so? I, I don't look at it like that. I, I actually look at it a little differently. And um, I think there's a lot of judgment still about divorce, people who are divorced. Well, I think it's a function of maybe the, the circles that you move in. And you know, maybe I'm being a bit casual with my use of the word. But I, I think for a lot of people, it's it's certainly no big deal. And in some cases, you know, yeah, I was married, you know, whatever. And uh, that came apart. And now I'm, you know, I'm a new and different person. I uh, Divorce is, is here. It's going to be here. It should be here. We should be. It sh- we should be. Uh, uh, open to, uh, you know, closing marriages that aren't working. But by the same token, this leads us into a very difficult world if there are children that are involved, mm-hmm. complicated family setups. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's divorce. We, that's why we have erasers at the end of the pencil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Michael Gilbert, author of The Disposable Mail, thank you for joining us today and talk with Francesco. It's a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Next up, reinventing yourself and discovering what is your what, the one amazing thing you were born to do, with New York Times bestselling author Steve Olsher. Be right back. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Moving into your new home or office is easy when you trust the experienced professional movers of the Brickhouse Moving Company. And if you're looking for dedicated movers who will take the stress out of your next move, call the Brickhouse Moving Company at 978-278-3578. We serve all of New England, both residential and commercial moves. No job is too small. Doing the move yourself? No problem. Brickhouse Moving can provide you with all the packing materials you'll need. Call us today at 978-278-3578 or visit us online at BrickhouseMovingCompany.com. Doesn't everyone go to the hair salon to freshen up their look? Of course they do. But sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. How awful is that? Well, that's not the case at Toco Classico in Cambridge. Brigitte takes the time to find out what you really want so that you can feel beautiful before she even begins. Not your typical salon. Toco Classico transforms you from so-so to oh-oh. If you want a new look that will turn heads, call Brigitte at Toco Classico today at 617-497-5585. Don't wait. You'll be glad you did. That number again is 617-497-5585. New England winters can wreak havoc on our vehicles. Sometimes it's just not enough to wash and vacuum them. Sometimes a full detail is in order. 
Do you remember the last time your car or truck was in that pristine condition? Remember how you felt? It's time to get that feeling back again. A full detailing from Tony's Recon can get you back in the driver's seat. Call Tony at 978-590-3693 or visit Tony'sRecon.com. You'll be glad you did. Hi, everybody. It's Francesca. Recently, I moved, but what I didn't realize is just how much stuff I brought with me. I was so freaked out. I really needed to maximize the space in my master closet. So I immediately called Closet Classics of Andover to help me get organized. Nick, the owner, came right out to help me and quickly assess what I needed. The process was so easy. All I had to do was tell him what I wanted, and my worries were over. I'd recommend Closet Classics of Andover to anyone looking to get their life more organized. Closet Classics have been in business for 10 years and offers a complete line of home organization solutions for closets, pantries, garages, laundry rooms, you name it. Whether you're looking for something extravagant or simple, Closet Classics will make your life simpler. Give them a call today at 978-475-2433 or visit their website at www.ccandover.com and start planning your organized future now. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Ranked number 9 of the top 10 Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. 6733 or visit us at anticoforno.com. The Travis Roy Foundation's annual Spring Fling will take place at the Fairmont Battery Wharf in Boston's North End on Saturday, April 12th. Join us to promote awareness for the Foundation's mission to enhance the life of spinal cord injured individuals and raise funds for continued research. The event features a silent auction, open bar, live band, and attendance by the Foundation's inspirational founder and trustee, Travis Roy. For tickets and information, log on to the travisroyfoundation.org. If you are looking for a transformation fitness center that's based on results with a motivating and energizing exercise environment, then the Boston North Fitness Center is the place for you. Located at 30 Prince Street in Danvers, Boston North Fitness Center is family-owned with a fully dedicated staff who themselves have lost over 250 pounds combined. With over 4,000 members, the experienced staff not only does their job, but cares about doing their jobs. For more information, call 978 770 or log on to bostonnorthfitness.com. 
If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. Less than 4.4 seconds. That's how long you have to convince your potential customers to stay on your website before they go elsewhere. With so much competition on the web, it's hard enough to get your market's attention. The only thing harder is keeping it. Web developer and marketer April Ann Francis makes it easy to do both. Boost your business with responsive blogs, social media marketing, WordPress design, custom Facebook pages, e-commerce, Google+, search engine, and mobile presence. Training available. Visit AprilAnnFrancis.com, email April at AprilAnnFrancis.com, or call 413-320-9233. That's 413-320-9233. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience, and as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare and it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terami is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca every Saturday morning right here on 1510 Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. We're back. Steve Olsher, author of What Is Your What? Welcome to Talk with Francesca. Thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Steve, there are so many books out there reinventing yourself and, you know, your other one, Journey to You. Um, It's not too late to be, you know, what is your what? I mean, it's like there's so much going on with all that. What makes yours different than the others? Like, say, the Landmark Forum versus... Um, what you offer? <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's there's obviously no shortage of people who are telling you, you know, what to do with your life and how to do it. Um, I'm the only one who really got it right. <laughs> oh well, then good. Okay, well that's great because you know something because they all want to talk to me and they all want to be on the air and I'm trying to read them all and I'm saying you gotta be kidding me. I'd be like doing homework and never working if I followed all these rules. <laughs> I know, right? But, yeah. No, I mean, it's really simple and. The thing is that most people just try to complicate it so darn much. And then at the other side of the equation is they leave you, like, with, with more questions, you know, than answers, where you just kind of finish things up and you're like, okay, well, rah, rah, but now what? You know, like, what's the practical implement, you know, implementation here that I can really apply to my life? And so, so what do you do? So tell me what you yeah. do that's going to... That's gonna when they pick up your book. What is your what? They're gonna read it, do the homework, and they're gonna transform their life. Yeah, you know, it really all boils down to being able to answer that question, which is, what is your what? And and I'm, you know, look, I get it all about passion. You know, people say, you know, do what you love, and the money will follow. And I mean, you know, that's crap. And then they'll tell you, you know, if you find something you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. 
course, you know, it's crap as well. You know, like and some things that you love to do, you just don't make a lot of money doing. Yeah. I, I mean, mean so you know, no, no matter how much you, you know, how hard you work, for example, if you're looking to be an actor, I mean, that's a very challenging uh, field to get into and be able to take care of yourself. You know, so well, that, it is. I mean, they don't they don't call you a starving artist for nothing. Yeah, damn Oprah. I don't know what she was thinking. Do what you want. I think we should just line up Oprah and just all of us should slap her. Yeah, know? I know. Do what you love. <laughs> the money will follow. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, when, so, you, when, you got, when you got $2 billion in the bank, it's easy enough to say that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> okay, so that, but you have a proven framework, you say. So, so I do. So the, I mean, so there's two sets of three that we'll work with here. The first set, and you, you already alluded to this, is, you know, you got to make sure that you're doing something that you absolutely love to do, something that you're good at, and something that people will pay you for. I mean, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. If you can picture each of those as part of the Venn diagram where there's an overlapping central, you know, that, that central point there is really where you're going to find that sort of that twist of, of something that you really love to do and you can make a lot of money doing. But, you know, at the same token, a lot of people just get confused about what it is that they love to do versus something that they're good at. Because just because you spent 20 years doing something doesn't mean you love to do it. It just means you've acquired skill. Right. So, okay, so we'll, we'll, so let's get practical. So what do you do? So the second, shall we say, group of three here is what it takes to be able to answer the question of what is your what. So the first part of the equation requires you to understand what your gifts are. Now, this is part of your DNA. I mean, it's part of your inherent blueprint. There's nothing you can do about it other than, other than deny it, I guess. But it's really that which has chosen you, and it's not that which you have chosen. So you've got very specific gifts, very specific ways that you're wired to excel. Really? The second piece, yep, absolutely. The second and piece. Are you sure that's in your DNA and not uh, the way you were uh, brought up? And I'll tell you why. Um, all right, well, we can, do, we can do nature versus nurture all day long. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all right, all right, but I, but I have to say this. To I, I just have to say this and, <laughs> because yeah, I, just would, I, I wouldn't I'd be being myself. <laughs> I wouldn't be being myself if I didn't say this. Okay, so I came from a family of eight children, and there just was not enough attention to go around for the eight kids, right? So I became a talk to – actually, all of us became, like, unbelievable talkers, right? So um, here I am, and my career is I'm on the radio talking. So, you know, I, I can't help but think that that was nurture. Although, then again, I have to say that that I'm probably the one who talks the most. But but anyway, so so that's where – that's what I – that's what I have to say about that. But – you know, I mean, maybe there's a, um, I don't know, I guess I am more of a believer that your environment does affect more of you than your actual DNA. But I'll yeah, be, but we'll, go, got, but we'll go with what you say. We'll, we'll, we'll go with what you, we'll go with it for now. And and you can prove so, me wrong. Yeah, I mean, we can beat that horse for a minute here. I mean, you've got lots of people that you, that you could probably name by name, you know, that, that I mean, they've grown up with, basically everything that one's heart could desire, and they're still an idiot, you know? So, you know, nature versus nurture, it's... Right, I know, I know, I mean, that's a tough long. argument. I mean, and I'm also just thinking about, you know, actors and how they're all like, you know, so many of them, not all of them, but many, many, many of them, and I would bet the majority of them really crave, like, a, yeah. a natural amount yeah. of attention. But anyway, that being yeah. said, so, but okay, so let's, <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll get, but anyway, go ahead. So, so the second part of the equation, then, is 
being very clear on the vehicle that you will use to then share your gifts with the world. So kind of putting this in, in a practical perspective, your gift, I mean, growing up in a household of, of 10, you know, assuming there was eight yep. children and two adults. I used to call them eight sure. kids and two people. <laughs> How many kids in your family? Eight kids, two people. <laughs> right. But what you probably learned to do very well and what was already a part of your inherent structure is you're probably a communicator by nature. I mean, communication is probably the overarching theme that ties together your inherent gift. And you know, so, yeah, you know what? You're probably right, actually. But yeah, you know, because I do, I, I do. I'm, you know, I said we were all talkers, but I really have to take that back and and restore my integrity here. I, I think that uh, I not all eight of them are big talkers. In fact, some of them are actually very quiet. So I am <laughs> by far the most exuberant. But anyway, yeah. But you're but you're also an you know obviously an effective communicator, and there's a big difference between someone who just talks. And someone who could be an effective communicator. Uh, I don't know. Talk to my ex-husband about that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Hey, I mean, let's just put it all on the table. It was all his fault. I mean, we know that. So let's just, you know, move forward. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, right? So, so the, let's just call it communication for now. The vehicle, then, that you evidently use as part of your vehicle, if you will, to share that gift with the world, then, is, is radio. I mean, that, that would be an example of a vehicle that you use to share your gifts. And, and I then, also have a very strong need to learn. Very strong. Yeah. You know, which yeah. obviously, you know, this is a, a, um, a career where I'm constantly learning. So, <laughs> which is great. I mean, it's like I'm in school all day long. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And then the third part of the equation are the people that you're most compelled to serve. So you got your gifts, your vehicle, your people. My book, my teachings, everything that I do is built around that specific framework of helping people become clear on what those three are and then putting that into motion. So, you know, it's great to know what your passion is. I mean, I get all that crap, but, you know, it's much more than that. And, you know, frankly, most people will go through life without being able to answer one part of the equation, let alone all three. So how do you make it so that they can get it? Well, that's the other side of the equation is I don't just talk about what you need to do. I've actually got specific exercises that help bring to the surface what your inherent gifts are, what your vehicle is that you use to share those gifts with the world, and then who are the people that you're most compelled to serve. So my work is really hands-on. It's not just me being a talking head. It's Mm -hmm. me really getting you to think about the answers to the questions that you need answers to. Don't you need to be in a certain frame of mind? Um, and the, what, the reason I, I say that is because, you know, sometimes we're just plain and simply not in a space where we're ready. We may, we may think that we are, but we're really not. Um, you know, for example, it, um, if, if you've got something going on in your life that's kind of dragging you down, I mean, couldn't you conceivably go through all your exercises in your book but just not have the motivation because maybe you're dealing with some type of... Grief yeah, or, no, right. I mean, I think this that's part of it too. I mean, I have to you have to be in a certain frame of mind. No, absolutely, it's a great point. And so, what I talk about quite consistently is that the people that I work with are those who are really ready to understand how they can impact not only those who share this lifetime with them, but also those of lifetimes to come. I mean, if you're not of the mindset that that is something that you even care about, then 
you know, what I do is just going to fall on deaf ears. So I'm not trying to be everything to everybody. I'm just looking for the people that are absolutely ready to get to where they know they were born to go. And then, but even sometimes when you, you think you are, um, I think sometimes we do need to be motivated, and I guess that's where you come in. I mean, I, you're, you are a motivational speaker, are you not? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I hate the term motivational speaker. Oh, um, I know. I don't like it either. After I said it, I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it's just... But you do have to down. be, I mean, but you do have to, uh, that is a piece of it for sure. I mean, I, I would assume that after one of your reinvention workshops that uh, people leave there pretty jazzed. I mean, look, absolutely. I don't want to, yeah, I mean, look, if I, if I come across as an angry, depressed, like, you know, someone who doesn't have it together, I mean, you're, you're not going to, there's, there's going to be absolutely no trust there. Yeah. You're not going to want to listen to me. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some degree of, of, of lifting and motivation that's brought to, to the conversation, no doubt. So, Steve Ulsher, how did you get to where you are today? Did you have, what, what kind of a, um, life did you have before you got into this? What brought you to this uh, space? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I've, I've reinvented my life numerous times over the years. Uh, the biggest, shall we say, fork in the road that I faced took place about five years ago. Now, I had been a lifelong entrepreneur up until that point. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I made a lot of money, uh, but I also went broke. You know, so, I mean, I've tasted both sides of the spoon there. And about One side definitely years, tastes better than the other. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really interesting, right? I'm doing a TED Talk this weekend. What did you say, a pep talk? Yeah, I'm doing a TED Talk this weekend. Oh, a TED Talk? I thought you said a pep talk. Oh, a TED, <laughs> oh, a TED Talk. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so <laughs> I can do a pep talk. I don't you want me to do, but, uh, right, so I'm, I'm doing a TED Talk this weekend, and the uh, focus and sort of the topic is being one choice away. And so, you know, I, really, I think you're always one choice away from accepting your brilliance and sharing the gifts that you have with others or really deciding that you suck. You know, so, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what you have in your bank account. Ultimately, you're going to be an asshole you're not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just simply a matter of the choice that you make. But I digress. <laughs> So, so the wake up. That's okay. Surprise. That's okay. So, I, so the it, moment, I like to I, I like to learn as much as I can anyway. So and, and my listeners love it too. So <laughs> so go so, ahead. So the moment that happened for me was um, about five years ago. I was with my stepfather, who was very much a father to me, raised me since I was ten. Um, unfortunately, he was in his final days of life, and I was sitting bedside with him, holding his hand, and he couldn't verbally communicate, but I. I believe we were able to connect to that point of touch mm -hmm. because I had a vision of my funeral, not of his funeral, but actually of mine. And I could hear the words being spoken graveside, which were, here lies Steve Olsher. He dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar. And I've got to just make one more million. <laughs> I know, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, and it really hit me hard because I, I believe that he was showing me my inevitable fate unless I changed course. And I didn't really know what to do, but I knew that there had been some things that had worked well for me in my life, and I've always been a writer. So I started putting pen to paper to share some of those tips, strategies, you know, shortcuts and resources that I thought might help others. Mm -hmm. And uh, and in the end, you know, it became a, a book that was very well received, and I've just gone on to 
do a lot of things in this space since then. But you know, journey, that was the knowing, journey to you. Is that the one you're talking? That was about? the first book. Journey yeah. to you. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And now you have this. And when did you write this? What is your what? So what is your what uh, came out in 2013 and subsequently hit the New York Times bestseller list. Very awesome. Cool. Awesome. Um, and, and by the way, I give the book away for free. So I noticed that. A book, I know. Grab a book. Why right? are you, you do, Why are you giving your book away for free? I mean, what, what is that about? I mean, I, you know, you always see the download a chapter, but now a book? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset that. If you can discover your what and go out and make this world a better place because of it, then, you know, ultimately you're going to make this world a better place for me, for my children, for generations to come. So, I mean, I guess you could say I give away the book for selfish reasons. Yeah, but are you there, Steve? I am here, Oh, it yeah. sounded like I lost you there for a second. Um, I, yeah, but, I mean, it's it's expensive to publish a book and to, to you know, I mean, how, how are you doing that? I mean, isn't the, well, I, isn't the point of you, you know, you're finding your what? You still have to take care of yourself, right? I mean, not that, obviously, you're able to do it without without um, this book. But it, so it, it, what kind of a, is there some kind of a marketing tool here that you're, that you're implementing to, to make this? Well, I mean, yeah, of course. And, and first and foremost, just understand that it's not a hardcover. It is an electronic version. Yeah. So, you know, you go to whatisyourwhat.com. Again, that's whatisyourwhat.com. And you'll opt in to grab the the book there. You know, of course, you're going to end up uh, on my mailing list, and I'll keep you posted on various ways to share and monetize your what, and, and you know, make sure that uh, you're staying on path and on point. Well, you know what? Now that now that you mentioned it, I mean, books today are not. You know, I mean, people don't buy books anymore. Really, it's like you know, email me the PDF, right? Yeah. Well, they certainly buy a lot less books than before, but. You know, it's interesting, right? It's kind of like a pendulum. Everything kind of swings back and forth. And believe it or not, hardcover books are uh, definitely getting uh, to the point of a bit of a resurgence here. Oh, really? Why would that be? Just uh, veering you know, off for a just, second. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about touching something that is physical. Yeah, And it's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's a different experience than kind of swiping your electronic reader. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm not crazy about it. But anyway. So, um, Steve Olsher, uh, give our listening audience an example of someone that you have coached that um, about what their what is and how you went about it. You know, lots of, uh, lots of different examples. One of, one of the, my favorite stories is a woman who attended uh, the reinvention workshop, which thank you. Thank you for mentioning that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, um, you know, I don't guess women's ages anymore, but I'm going to say, you know, she was certainly in her 50s, maybe in her 60s, and had been a nurse for a long, long time. And when she came to the reinvention workshop, she thought she was pretty close to understanding what her what is, mm-hmm. but always kind of felt like a piece of it was missing. And so as we went through the equation, it became very clear that her natural gifts are all sort of revolved around healing. So she's a natural healer. Mm-hmm. And the vehicle that she was using to share those gifts with the world is as a nurse. And mm-hmm. so she was, you know, in a, in a general hospital as a nurse and doing what she really liked to do. Um, but again, I always felt like a piece was missing. And so as we dug in and began to really, you know, just get to the nuts and bolts of the people that she's most compelled to serve, it became very clear that those people are the disadvantaged elderly. So she's really drawn to serving the disadvantaged elderly, oh. and that kind of put everything in place for her. And fast forward uh, three or four years now, wow. and she is now working in a uh, in a VA hospital, 
working with the disadvantaged elderly, and, uh, and it's really made a tremendous difference for her. So how did you get her to g- figure out that she, well, she already knew what she pretty much wanted to do. She wanted to heal. How did you get her to be able to be so, so, so specific about that? Well, see, that's, that's the beauty of the teaching is I, I really don't let you off the hook until you get to your answer. And so the process that I take you through and so far as understanding the people that you're most held to serve is, I mean, a lot of it is looking at who you are and what your attributes and your beliefs, you know, really are and the things that you've experienced in your life and your perspective. Because, you know, like for me, I could talk to other fathers, right? I have kids. I'm married. I can talk to other men with children who are married. Mm -hmm. You know, if you survive cancer, you could relate to someone who is battling cancer, right? I mean, it's just there's certain things that we've experienced that others haven't, and sometimes those lead us towards the people that we are, in fact, most compelled to serve. And that's that's a great way to to get started. So, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your reinvention workshop. How often do you do these, and where do you do them, and, and what are they about? Yeah, you know, I do the uh, I do the reinvention workshop a, a few times a year. Actually, we're looking to to take it a little bit more widespread. So, why don't you uh, come to Boston? I know you've been talking about that. Yeah, I love that idea. yeah, I'm, I love that I'm actually, idea. I'm actually keynoting in Boston in September, so maybe I can tail uh, you know piggyback on that. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, all right. Well, Steve yeah, Wilshire, cool. author of What Is Your What? Thank you so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. It's been great. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. All right. We got to wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming. Write to me and let me know what's on your mind. Gotta go. See you later. Make it a fantastic week. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. If you are looking for a transformation fitness center that's based on results with a motivating and energizing exercise environment, then the Boston North Fitness Center is the place for you. Located at 30 Prince Street in Danvers, Boston North Fitness Center is family-owned with a fully dedicated staff who themselves have lost over 250 pounds combined. With over 4,000 members, the experienced staff not only does their job, but cares about doing their jobs. For more information, call 978 770 or log on to bostonnorthfitness.com. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now, that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. 
Less than 4.4 seconds. That's how long you have to convince your potential customers to stay on your website before they go elsewhere. With so much competition on the web, it's hard enough to get your market's attention. The only thing harder is keeping it. Web developer and marketer April Ann Francis makes it easy to do both. Boost your business with responsive blogs, social media marketing, WordPress design, custom Facebook pages, e-commerce, Google+, search engine, and mobile presence. Training available. Visit AprilAnnFrancis.com, email April at AprilAnnFrancis.com, or call 413-320-9233. That's 413-320-9233. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723-6733 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. The New England Pension Assistance Project can help you get the benefits you've earned. Funded by the U.S. Administration on Aging, the New England Pension Assistance Project has a proven track record of success in obtaining benefits for its clients. From challenging pension denials and miscalculations to helping with the division of retirement assets in divorce and tracking down retirement benefits from past employers, the New England Pension Assistance Project has recovered more than $42 million in retirement benefits for its clients by providing them with free legal help. Contact the New England Pension Assistance Project at 888-425-6067. That's 888-425-6067 or visit them online at pensionhelp.org slash newengland. A public service message from the U.S. Administration on Aging's Pension Counseling and Information Program. Due to an upturn in the economy, Main Street Business Loans has pre-approved the release of millions of dollars in small business funding. Your business may already be pre-approved to receive up to $250,000. We've sent out millions of pre-approval letters. We see the economy growing, and our underwriters believe now is the time to invest in your business so you can grow faster and make more money. And we're prepared to give you up to $250,000 to do it. Your funds can be available in five days. There are no application fees, no annual fees, just quick access to up to $250,000. If your business did not receive your approval letter to get up to $250,000, Call Main Street Business Loans Approval Desk now. 800-430-8761. 800-430-8761. 800-430-8761. 800-430-8761.